Good evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining me and our my special guest, my honey honey, Kamisha Lucier. Hi, everybody. Hi, honey. Hi. Thank you for being on the show. Here, well, thanks honey. for inviting me. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Glad to have you. Glad to be here. So this evening, we are going to actually kind of continue a conversation that we were having um, looking at what it means to know the Lord. Okay. All right. As we look at, <clears throat> excuse me, the nation and, and everything, not just this nation, but the, the whole earth, there's a lot happening. And actually what the Lord pointed me to was from Jeremiah, it really begins in chapter 31 through chapter 32. Um, but before we begin, let's, let's just stop for a moment in prayer. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. For this time, we can be in your word and for what you are revealing to us so that we, your people, those that have chosen to make you Lord and Savior of our life, to give you say, you are our God and we thank you, Lord, that we can be and that you are leading us to become more conformed to your image, mm-hmm. the image of Jesus the Christ. So we thank you because it is an honor and a privilege that we could never earn and do not deserve. But we come to you with joy, with gladness, and with thanksgiving for all that you've done and all you continue to do in our lives and throughout the whole earth. So we thank you. We thank you for the listeners. ask you to bless them mm-hmm. and minister to their, their hearts and their minds. Yes, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' almighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. So as, as I was saying... In Jeremiah 31 through the end of 32, and and by 31, I mean specifically verses 27 of Jeremiah chapter 31 through uh, through the end of chapter 32, there's this interesting thing that happens. There is, just to give kind of an overview context, the Lord does declare, hey, there is a a judgment of coming. And by judgment, I mean there's going to be a separation of, if you will, wheat and chaff, of, um, or or the or the wicked from the righteous. Mm-hmm. He's, he talks about how he is going to reestablish that covenant. He's going to bring about restoration and, and healing and all those things. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, he says that these things are going to happen. This this judgment, this separation, if you will, is mm-hmm. going to take place, and. You know, there's he has Jeremiah perform some very specific things, like purchasing the land and putting the the deeds in in an earthenware jar and and not hiding it, but burying it as a time capsule of sorts. Mm-hmm. And Jeremiah doesn't understand why, if it is seemingly is about to be the destruction of the land, he's like these, you know, these things are are happening, Lord. Like you said, they were going to happen, so they are going to happen. Why is this the case? But then, as as the Lord continues to minister to Jeremiah and prophesy to him, he's telling the the people, whether it's kings all the way down to the inhabitants of the city, mm-hmm. what the Lord is about to do, and um, as a result, is imprisoned for it. And just as I look, and this is just you know, again an overview of that that section of scripture and some of the things that we're gonna dive into in more detail. What the Lord kept impressing on me was that these are the exact things that have been happening here. I'll say 
in this nation, and, and, and by this nation, I mean the United States of America, but not just the United States. It's been happening in the nations throughout the whole earth. And you know, we've seen this, this pattern, if you will, where the Lord says what's going to happen. He says who is going to be removed. And, he sa- and you also see the Lord's standard, and you see the why. He always explains that. And then, but there have been people. He first sent his message through the prophets. But he's also, people have heard the message. They've received it. They have moved forward in, first and foremost, their relationship with the Lord, mm-hmm. knowing the Lord. But they've also gone to those, petitioned those in authority, mm-hmm. in leadership, whether it's kings and leaders of nations, whether, you know, or in this nation, in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, federal, as well as state and local leaders, and even each other to anyone with any type of position of authority to bring about change, to bring about, or by that, I mean, they have highlighted, whether it's laws or, or things that the Lord has showed them are against the Lord and against his, his will, his plan, his purpose, and his covenant that he has with us, those who, well, this nation, but those who, for whom he is God and that they are his people. Mm -hmm. And Jeremiah is thrown in prison as a result. He experiences, instead of the leaders saying, okay, yes, you're right. There's much resistance that has been purported and mashed in his face and even utilizing their position and rulings and legislation and all the like to imprison him. Mm-hmm. And even as we get, if you go further into chapter 33, to the point of he doesn't know if he's going to make it or not. So there's, so there's a few, just just kind of an overview, but there's a few things to, to draw out in there. And the first thing I, w- I want to say is, regardless of what you see, regardless of what happens, what the Lord chooses to do in this removal of, th- of things, not to get discouraged. Don't mm-hmm. don't be led or caught up emotionally or or any other way in the circumstances, the situations of what your eyes see and what your ears hear. Mm-hmm. Just trust in the Lord. It was even in when Jeremiah didn't know he if he was going to make it or not. Like and by make it I mean live or not. Mm-hmm. The Lord he's still praying to the Lord. He's still calling out to the Lord. And the Lord's like, hey, I've got many things to show you. Mm-hmm. And this is only in chapter thirty two and. You know, uh, thirty-one through thirty-three here, mm-hmm. and uh, Jeremiah is still his life goes on for another twenty chapters, give or take. Right? I mean, it's it's considerable. He he has uh, his his whole ministry is about fifty-two years. So let's not get caught up. That's the first thing. Let's be encouraged. The Lord's not done. He's in control. Amen. He's still on the throne, mm-hmm. and, and forever will be. So, so that's that's the first thing. Uh, that I want to bring up. Okay. Um, just kind of an overview is to, is to be encouraged. And, um, but next, uh, at the beginning of this scripture that we brought up, the Lord says the days are coming when he will sow to the house of Israel and Judah, the seed of man and seed of beast, right? But he gets into how, I'll say that what's happening in the times. And he says, the fathers are eating sour grapes, the children's teeth are on edge. But in verse 30, he says, but everyone will die for his own iniquity. 
Each man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth will be set on edge. And then, so so I want to pause there for a second, just because as we get to this, the very first thing the Lord does in announcing this covenant is talk about a removal of people. As he's saying, no longer is this going to happen. Like the people that have purported, progressed, you know what I mean? Um, exacerbated wickedness and taught it. There is a removal of those individuals. That's the very first thing the Lord mentions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to open the floor there, honey, honey, and give give you the opportunity to comment on that. Um, it's an by comment. You know, say what the Lord's saying to say concerning, you know, or what he has for you to say. Well, I guess I was just kind of um, considering and, and contemplating everything that you were um, kind of giving us the, the summary of. And just thinking about the Lord's ways. Sometimes we look at the Word of God and we think, oh, that was so long ago, but today and now is different. <laughs> the people are different. The situations are different. But the reality is not. Humanity is the same. There may be a different accent or a new trend, a new outfit that's being worn, but people across all nationalities and ethnicities are the same, and they have the same um I'll say struggles to overcome wickedness and to endure and engage in righteousness that they had at this time. So I'm, I'm really just listening and interested to hear, you know, more about what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and just making, bringing those connections and, you know, God's standard has not changed. And, you know, sometimes people say, oh, the word of God is out of date because we do this now and we have cell phones now. And <laughs> But the heart of man is still what it is. The, or mankind, humanity is still what it is. And um, the, the struggle to separa- separate ourselves from wicked behavior and to partake of righteous behavior is, is still very real and something that we have to engage in. Um, I think that's all I have to say for right now, but right. I'll, I'll come back after okay. you. Okay, I just want to make sure you got the opportunity to, to share. But um, what the Lord was showing me in this is, in addition to what you're saying, which is all yeah, absolutely true, there is a, the things must be removed in order to fully, truly enter into the Lord's covenant, mm-hmm. right? Um, we can want to or desire to enter into covenant, but it's really a, a decision that we have to make. And from verse 31 through 34, I'll, I'll let you read that because... The Lord talks about his covenant. Which verse is any? For Jeremiah 31, verse starting in verse 31 and verse 34, he says, through through 34, it says, Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart, and I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They shall not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. Amen. So, in short, the covenant is, I will be their God, and they will be my people. Mm-hmm. Now, in order for that to happen, the Lord has to be more than just Lord. It's more than just a title. By saying he's, he's Lord, if 
not just, yes, I believe the Lord exists, mm-hmm. right? But actually making him Lord denotes that you will say and do what he's commanding you to say and do in every area and aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. That Amen. is that is truly what knowing the Lord in covenant means. And if we as a people, as a nation, would do that, and it first starts with me for myself mm-hmm. and you for yourself and and. The, each listener for themselves between, before the Lord, then we will see a righteous nation, a nation because we will, uh, the Lord will reveal the things that in your life and in whether it's legislation, government, business, education, whatever, whatever it is that does not reflect him. And then because he's Lord, we will say, all right, Lord, let's, let's correct this. Let's bring about the change in us and in our laws, in in our righteous judgments. By our right, it's the Lord judging. And we're saying, all right, Lord, we agree, and we're going to move forward with that. That bring about change in the land. And that is what's being taught to the people, how to actually have a relationship with the Lord, what it is supposed to look like and be demonstrated. So... It's just something of importance mm-hmm. that that we must all understand. But then there's the other aspect of with covenant it continues, and it's uh, and the Lord begins to highlight all the things that happened, right? Um, actually, the Lord repeats that that covenant again in chapter thirty-two, right? He is verses 38 through 44. It's, it's not only what is what he first says, there, uh, what we just read. He says that he repeats it again in verse 38, beginning of verse 38. Okay. He says, they shall be my people and I will be their God. Actually, uh, yeah, we'll just start there. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they shall be my people and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way and that they may fear me always for their own good and for the good of their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that, will, that I will not turn away from them to do them good. And I will put the fear, or reverence really, of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. I will rejoice over them to do them good and will faithfully plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. For thus says the Lord, just as I brought all this great disaster on the people, so I'm going to bring on them all the good that I am promising them. Fields will be bought in this land, of which you say, it is a desolation without man or beast. It is given to the hands of the Chaldeans. Men will buy fields for money, sign and seal deeds, and call the witnesses in the land of Benjamin, in the environs of Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the lowland, and the cities of the Negev, for I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord. So he repeats that twice. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Mm-hmm. For, and this is in two different chapters. Mm-hmm. But the Lord is continuing this thought of right. what he is, he is purporting and purposing to do. Um, so I, I, just, I know we need to understand that, because we were talking in the previous episode about what it means to know the Lord. Mm-hmm. But to also know the Lord is to be able to trust the Lord. If we truly know him, we will be able to trust him. because He's the only one that can ever bring forth what he says he will do. 
Amen. Now for us and where we find ourselves now in this day and age, well, I'll say it in this way, as it pertains to covenant, it's the exact same today as it was then. Uh-huh. And and the Lord also, even in the wilderness, it was still the same covenant. There is no difference between what is said here and the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant. And when any time the Lord said, hey, I'll enter into covenant with you, mm-hmm. it's always that the Lord is our God and we are his people. Right. And it's either, I'll say, demonstrated out by you know, actions and behaviors and attitudes, our love towards the Lord and our obedience, or and or it is just stated like we just read twice. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. But also, uh, I want to, I, th- I think we got to focus on this for a second. Verses uh, in chapter 32, verses 32 through 35. I want to get to this. This next major point, mm-hmm. there is a a statement of who is against the Lord and what they did. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to read it, or would you like me to? Oh, I can read it. You said thirty-two. Yes, chapter thirty-two, verse thirty-two through thirty-five. Okay, it says because of all the evil of the children of Israel and the children of Judah which they have done to provoke me to anger, they, their kings, their princes, their priests, their prophets, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And they have turned to me the back and not the face, though I taught them rising up early and teaching them, yet they have not listened to receive instruction, but they set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name to defile it. And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the sons of Hinnom to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire of Molech, which I did not command them, nor did it come into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. All right. So, so we all see that mm-hmm. it does not matter there. Oh, I'll say the biggest point of that is not to highlight the people, right? Or their wrongdoing, but to understand and the first thing we must understand is there's one standard. He mm-hmm. mentions the Lord, mentions everyone, from the king to the priest to the prophet, all the way down to the inhabitant of the city. Mm-hmm. There's one standard that the Lord has. It does not matter your position of power or influence or, or anything, how much wealth anyone has. The Lord's saying, if I'm your God then and you're my people, then... He tells them how they should live, or in this we're seeing all the ways that they should not live. He's saying, but they've done this. Mm-hmm. And as I you know, reflect back, what the Lord was showing me was all the things that, are, that have been happening, that we've seen, the people that have, that have heard the word of the Lord and are mm-hmm. saying, wait, this doesn't line up with the Lord. And by this, I mean, the, whether it's legislation or otherwise, mm-hmm. things that have been reported, been promoted, promulgated by elected officials and those seeking power, but not just those outside of the church, even those in the church, condoning things like abortion and the like and reprobate lifestyles and mm-hmm. and all sorts of things that are the Lord very clearly states are against his word. 
mm-hmm. and against him. Mm-hmm. But yet it's happened. And now the prophets have spoken. There are many prophets that, are, that the Lord has sent. And that you see that in here as well. I've sent all these people, but they refuse to listen. Mm-hmm. And, and the Lord has also sent, as I said in the, the introduction, going over the overview, the Lord has also sent the people to say, hey, this isn't right. We need to fix this, change this, do something about it. But yet they're, they've been mocked, they've been ridiculed, they have been um, imprisoned, uh-huh. I mean, all sorts of Persecuted, things. Persecuted. Persecuted, yes. Uh, ostracized the well, whole they, game. What do they call it? Canceling now? They've been yeah, canceled. Cancel culture has <laughs> yeah. been prevalent, right? Uh-huh. Um, fined, imprisoned, the whole gamut. We've seen mm-hmm. these things happen over and over and over for years. And it has be, I mean, it's all what reached a tipping point. Amen. So in Ezekiel chapter 9, it there's a an interesting thing that happens where the Lord is um, talking about what what's being done in secret, but then he also says to go through the city and mark all the people who sigh and cry because of the wickedness that's being done in, in the city. Mm-hmm. And what he's really saying there is make note of the people who are not, um, I'll say, titillated by the the sins and the wickedness that's being done, whether it's in secret or on a grand scale, and make note of them because there are people who can proclaim on the surface, oh, we want to do what's right, but their heart is secretly going with that wickedness, or they are um, forwarding it. That's Ezekiel chapter 9, um, verses 3 and 4. And the Lord is watching our hearts you know, uh-huh. our, our every city, every nation, the land is important, like the physical territory is important, but it's nothing without its people. Absolutely. And sometimes when we start looking at a nation doing certain things, we start to try to think of it on the grand scale. But if we realize this, that a nation, a nation is simply made up of many individuals, and it's the each individual heart that God is looking at to culminate. And sometimes what happens is, and like what we were talking about in Jeremiah, where he's like from the top to the bottom, Uh old and young, you know, rich and poor are all winking at sin. They're all cooperating with it and turning against the Lord in their hearts. And their actions are just a manifestation, a revelation revealing of what's actually in their heart and Uh in their mind towards God. Um, When we look at that, what would happen if on the other side, each individual was saying, God, I don't approve of this. Uh-huh. I appreciate you. And I, I started to say this, but I didn't finish my thought that when we see, um, well, if these rich people are doing it, there must be something to it. They must know something I don't uh-huh. know. So I should go and follow them. If the leaders, the king is doing this, he right. must know something I don't know. He's, he's better than I am. So I must go and follow him. And then likewise, it turns around the other direction for a king or a government official to go look down and say, well, all the people are doing these things, so we better get in on this trend if we want to captivate the people, and we'll just get ahead of it and start to lead and guide in the midst of this trend that they already seem to be starting themselves. You can see that in in modern culture. 
And whether it's a corporation saying, oh, this, these people are rioting, so we better jump on this train and get started on it, or they're going to come and riot our company. And so they begin to, to champion things that are wrong or unrighteous because they, they don't want the, the mob, if you will, to turn on them. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. Oh, the government's saying this is okay for these abominations to happen, so it must be okay. I'm going to co-sign with it and go along with them. And, you know, really... But the Lord is saying, not even one of them in Jeremiah turned their heart to say, where are you, Lord? That does not please you. And I don't care if I'm the only one standing here by myself. I'm not going with them. And I don't care if everybody else is doing it. I'm not going with them. Whereas in Ezekiel, we see the just a kind of opposite side. They're not necessarily in the same time era of their ministries. But God does not change, which is what we've you know kind of been alluding to during this this talk today. Um, but there he was saying, mark everybody that's on my side because I see and I know uh-huh. they may be small. They may be great. But if they're groaning, if they're sighing internally, you think about a sigh. That's not a loud trumpet being born, no. blown. I mean, that's, that's not somebody standing on a street corner. Uh, unless you're a, purposely sighing for attention. Well, exactly. <laughs> but a sigh is, is a private thing. It's Absolutely. just like, man, you see that and you groan within yourself or you cry, you know, that's also something that is not uh, a big public display, but he's talking about the heart. So really, if we became just that one that would groan and cry and go, Lord, that's not right, then God can have an opportunity to move in our lives. And we're, we're actually heading in the right direction as an individual. And then consider that it's not impossible for us to change our hearts and begin to long for and look for the things of God and separate ourselves from the way of common culture. Absolutely. And and I love that you brought up, it doesn't matter about whether it's rich and looking at the trend or the poor looking at or beginning the mm-hmm. trend. And you see that exact example given in Jonah concerning the city of Nineveh. Mm-hmm. He went to go there and speak to the, to the kings and the leaders and the rulers, but it was the people that heard the message. Uh-huh. And the people, just like we're talking now, there have been many just regular people. Mm-hmm. The inhabitants of the city, that or cities in, in this mm-hmm. nation, and throughout the earth and their mm-hmm. nations that are saying, we need to repent, we need to change. Mm-hmm. We need to bring things into and everything, every area and aspect of life into the proper or and by proper I mean divine alignment and order that the Lord has set forth and established in his word and through his word. Mm-hmm. And I think more specifically... What they were saying is, I need to change. I need to make sure that I'm not doing those things against the Lord. Because it's easy to look out and say, well, you over there, you should do something different, but never look at yourself and make any necessary changes within yourself. And then make, you know, begin to influence your sphere of influence with the changes that the Lord is first making in you or letting yourself be a vessel that he can work through. So it's easy to project your eyes and go over there, we, but not me, you know, (laughs) should change and do something different. That's, you know, neither here nor there. There's no validity or um, potency to that, no actionable change. But if I start with myself and then spread that out to like my children, my, my spouse, my coworkers, just sharing with God, you know, and let it be not so much of a preaching of it, but an evidence of it flowing through me. How much change in lifestyle. Exactly. That's more productive than the standing up, clanging the gong kind of deal, because most of the time people clanging the gongs aren't actually living it out. That's not always the case, but it can be sometimes. It it absolutely can be. And actually that's something that the Lord addresses in Ezekiel. And I, I, I want to bring this up because it's also important. 
when we look, especially where we started here in the first verses and uh, of chapter 31, verse mm-hmm. 27, mm-hmm. and what and throughout this whole section, when the Lord's like, as a result of these things, I'm going to bring about, you know, uh, a judgment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, and, and by judgment, it's a, it's a separation. It's a removal of, you know, wickedness and, and those that are engaging in wicked actions and attitudes and behaviors. Um, that separation between, if you will, the wheat and the chaff. Mm-hmm. The Lord is not the one doing it. He is allowing, he's turning them over to the things that they have put their faith, hope, and trust in. Mm-hmm. So, and I, it's important for us to understand that. So we hold the Lord in, in reverence and in a rightful place, mm-hmm. right? He, uh, there's something that we say often in this house, the Lord's not a Sour Patch Kid. <laughs> He's not sour, then sweet, right? Mm-mm. Or sweet, then sour. Like the, No, he is the same yesterday, today, That's and forever. Right. And in Ezekiel 18, I know you brought up Ezekiel 9, but in Ezekiel 18, the Lord's like, hey, each one is going to, uh, if you will, have the consequence of their own iniquity mm-hmm. and that's how it always is always mm-hmm. we like to group it together we like to put it on other people and by the we i mean natural carnal minded people absolutely that don't want to be held accountable right right as it's always the case so how do we remove the it's the always the attempt of, of the of mm-hmm. the wicked right is and, and any action behavior towards anything attempts to remove the yes the standard of righteousness but the mechanisms to hold individuals accountable mm-hmm in order to then engage in behavior that they claim or desire to engage in. But the whole time, it's not about just, I want to do what I want to do, because they're still looking back at anyone or anything, any mechanism, right, that would hold them accountable. To try to get rid of it. And it it has to be removed, right? That's Mm -hmm. that's the wicked mindset, attitudes, actions, behaviors. Mm -hmm. But um, the Lord makes it very, very plain in Ezekiel 18, hey, it's not each one for himself, although it's what you do, that's your iniquity. Mm-hmm. But if you repent, you will be forgiven. Amen. And the repentance is on a person by person scale. But typically what happens is, with, like as in the example that you were giving of the people who are trying to remove the standard of um, accountability or the mechanism for being held accountable, they also take the attitude of, well, if there's so many of us doing it, if there's enough of us doing it, then God can't get us or no one can stop us because all of the all of culture will be turned over this way. So if we're all doing wrong, the police can't get us all, you know, kind of that mentality. That's why right. people get up together in a mob. <laughs> right. And they, they cause a riot. Well, they can't get, put all of us in jail. They can't get all of us. And so when people have that mentality and they start trying to pervert the entirety, it's not because so many people are doing it per se, like that it's a a group of them. It's because each individual has joined themselves together with it. And now they are reaping their consequence. And the the fact that it happens in a similar time frame is it doesn't mean because there's so many of us doing it's because they joined in. That's it. With the unrighteousness. They, They came into agreement to enact that. Well, attitude, action, behavior comes from their heart in opposition to the Lord. Mm-hmm. But um, but the Lord's not mocked. He's not fooled. You know, and and their sin is finding them out. God's not the 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 villain in this situation. Exactly. It's their sin and the consequence, the penalty of sin for everybody. No matter who you are, no matter when you were born, the penalty of sin is death. Absolutely. And 
And actually, um, even on that, well, I'll say throughout. It's not just the first part we read where the Lord's like, hey, this, this is about to happen. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he also explains that this is why. This is consistent, again, with the Lord's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Matthew 13, he gives the, the parable of the tares, uh, or the wheat among the tares. Mm-hmm. Tares among the wheat, excuse me. And uh, I'll read from verse 26 through 30. Um, just so we can we can discuss that briefly and, and get a better understanding of some things. Okay. It says, But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. For while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. Amen. So I want to bring that up because this is a pattern that we see throughout the entirety of Scripture. Anytime a a judgment occurs, if you will. And by judgment, a, rem- a removal, a separation of mm-hmm. the wicked from the righteous. Mm-hmm. The, the wicked are always removed first in order to bring about deliverance for the righteous. All right, we uh, just a couple examples that you can name off the top. You have Lot and, mm-hmm. and Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. You have Moses and the children of Israel out of Egypt, being delivered from Egypt. There was a removal of wickedness. And mm-hmm. uh, no doubt someone will say that um, uh, the examples are, oh, well, that's that's the wicked. Those are people that were in opposition to the Lord. Are they perishing first? That's, that's not right. Scripture would say judgment starts in the house of God. But yes, and it does. But both statements are true. Judgment does first start in the house. Mm-hmm. But as we just read here in Jeremiah, just because you're in the house does not mean an mm-hmm. individual is acting righteously. Amen. There right? were priests and prophets that were named. That were even in what we just <laughs> read here in Jeremiah. In, in Jeremiah, that's right. Right. He, the Lord was like, this. they've brought these things into the house called by my name. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I said, both statements are indeed true. Wouldn't the Lord remove those wolves in sheep's clothing in leadership and operating within the Lord's house first? While then continuing to remove those that are impacting his harvest. Because the whole point of this is to to gather up the people, his people. And everyone has the opportunity Hmm. to... Isn't that amazing? To not engage in wickedness, but to choose to come into relationship and covenant relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Amen. Or not. Amen. And what does that really look like? Um, in Jeremiah 30, 31, verse 33, it says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. But for us, you know, sometimes we say, 
do this. And we're like, well, what do you mean? How am I not doing it? Or, you know, right. how, what do I do going about this? And so he, he made it very clear, the minds and the hearts, set your mind on him. You know, start with just saying, Lord, I'm willing to love you. And yeah. I'm willing to see things your way. Like, what's the standard? And even if I read something in the Bible or hear someone say something who says they're representing you, I'm not going to judge you and accuse you of wrongdoing, Lord. I'm going to let you explain to me, not by putting mm-hmm. you on trial, but by letting you give me understanding of what you're actually saying in your word. And you'll let me know whether the person that proclaims to be speaking of you is, first of all, one that you've sent and whether or not they're speaking right concerning you. Giving God the opportunity to be treated with the same kind of love, um, grace, and mercy that you yourself want to be treated with, you know, love your neighbor as yourself follows love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But there's an, a, a sentiment, another cap of uh, the golden rule, we call it do unto do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Absolutely. How do you want God to treat you? Okay. Then start by giving him that back. Don't accuse him of being unrighteous and take the position that Lord, if anything looks wrong to me, like, and that I would count or count or call against you, I'm going to take the place of I'm wrong and you're right. Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus, you're right. Help me see the truth. And that gives God the opportunity to draw you near and then make a commitment in your heart to love him. No matter what it seems like is happening and whether or not you understand it, God is always going to do right. And you're willing to take the time And you're not going to cut off your love for him just because somebody else is doing something wrong or it seems like things are one way when you look at it first glance. I use this example a lot in our home and and, in ministry. How many times have you walked into a room and maybe the light was off or you're not really looking and you think you see a spider in the corner and then you jump and then you, you know, you scream out and then you look and it's just a sock. Or it's just a shadow. Right. You thought it was one way and your body and your mind had a complete experience as though it were true, but it turns out that it was not. So likewise, if that can happen with something so simple as a sock in a corner and a shadow, how much more so lack of understanding towards God being easily, you know, something that easily happens. So start with putting your mind on him and saying, Lord, I'm going to give you a chance and I'm going to let you, I'm going to treat you the way I want you to treat me. And I'm going to love you no matter what it seems like on the surface. And I'm going to believe the absolute best about you, that you're only doing right and that you're the righteous standard. And if anybody is wrong in this situation, it's me and other human beings. That's it. And But me for myself That's and my right. relationship with the Lord. And then it doesn't just stop there with loving the Lord. It then extends out to all his creation, all his people. Mm-hmm. And by his, I don't just mean those that are Christians and believers. The Lord also tells us in his word to love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. So it's anyone that He's the Lord's neighbor. put in your, in your path, mm-hmm. in your, I mean, if you're a, a leader and elected official, your constituents and not just yours, but it's literally everybody in the whole nation and throughout the entirety of the earth is who we're to look out for. Yeah. And if you start with God being your first neighbor, and That's then it. spreading that out to everyone Amen. else, I think you'll have it. He's your first neighbor. That's Love it. him as yourself. Ah, I mean, that just changes the whole world, doesn't it? <laughs> that, the whole that dynamic. That would absolutely change the and entire then, earth. Mm-hmm, then move on to loving the literal neighbors and your spiritual neighbors, the other, your brothers Amen. and sisters in Christ. Love them as yourself. Amen.
Well, there's a lot in there, so so we're gonna we're gonna pause there for today. Um, I trust the Lord that that everyone <laughs> got ministered to, mm-hmm. uh, understood things in a new light in a new way. But I'd like to thank you all for joining us and encourage you to continue to live your life in righteousness and doing justice. Love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.